3: They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith,
0: and I am
3: The Alarmist. everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest disasters and figure out who's to blame. Today, we'll be talking about the 2008 financial crisis. Now, this is a very difficult uh, subject to understand for someone like me, but I just want to give a shout out to my brother-in-law, Steve for taking the time to explain to me what the heck a, a CRA is, a CDO, a, um, we didn't even get to derivatives. It was it, it was such a long session, but it turns out that having a business degree is helpful for these kinds of episodes. Okay, let's get started. Here's what you need to know. The 2008 financial crisis was a global economic crisis said to be at the time the most serious since the Great Depression. It was decades in the making due to government deregulation of financial institutions dating back to the Reagan administration in the 1980s. For now, let's focus on the events starting in 2001.
0: The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works.
3: From 2001 until 2007 was a period of growth that led to an eventual housing bubble. People were able to put very little cash down in order to purchase a house and lenders were not taking a deep look into their financial history to see if they actually were a good candidate to buy a house. This lack of oversight from lenders led to a housing boom where home ownership in the U.S. peaked. But by 2004, there were signs of distress. During the last quarter of 2005, home prices began to fall, and by 2006, the U.S. Home Construction Index was on a 40% decline. New homes were being affected, and many subprime borrowers now could not withstand the higher interest rates. People started defaulting on their loans. In the old system of home ownership pre-1980s, home buyers paid their lenders directly every single month. In the new system from the late 80s onward, lenders sold their mortgages to investment banks who combined thousands of loans together, often including car loans and student debt loans as well, to create Collateralized Debt Obligation, or CDOs. Investment banks then sold these CDOs to investors. Homeowners were actually paying investors who hired credit rating agencies to evaluate the CDOs. This system was a ticking time bomb. Lenders had no incentive to care if borrowers could actually pay back their loans. So they made increasingly riskier loans. Investment banks also did not have an incentive to care about people defaulting on their loans. The more CDOs they sold, the higher their profits were. On top of that, Credit rating agencies, or CRAs, had no liability if their ratings proved wrong. This system of passing the debt along came to a head when people began to default on their home loans en masse. By 2008, home foreclosures were skyrocketing. Lenders could no longer sell their loans to the investment banks, and as the loans went bad, dozens of lenders failed. The market for CDOs collapsed as the CDOs proved to be unreliable and risky, despite ratings to the opposite. This left investment banks with hundreds of billions of loans, CDOs, and real estate that they couldn't sell. Then in March 2008, investment bank Bear Stearns ran out of cash. They could no longer raise private capital to fund its day-to-day activities, and with billions of dollars in liabilities, they were on the brink of bankruptcy. As a result, they partnered with JP Morgan Chase and provided a 29.5 billion bailout for Bear Stearns. This set off a historic timeline of events. This is going to be
1: one of the watershed days in financial markets history. It was a manic Monday in the financial markets. The Dow tumbled more than 500 points after two pillars of the street tumbled over the weekend. Lehman Brothers, a 158-year-old firm, filed for bankruptcy.
0: I don't think anyone really expected a bank as big as Lehman to uh, you know, be in a position that it's in now.
1: Brought down by bad mortgage investments, Lehman, which has 25,000 employees, will be liquidated.
3: On September 7th, 2008, mortgage giants Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were taken over by the government. Then, on September 15, 2008, Bank of America announced that they were purchasing Merrill Lynch for $50 billion. That same day, Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy. And on September 24, 2008, the Feds closed Washington Mutual Bank. Its branches and assets were sold to J.P. Morgan Chase. This was considered the biggest U.S. bank failure in history. The fallout from this economic crash left many Americans and people around the world in financial limbo and resulted in a global recession.
0: The signs were everywhere, but now it's official we are in a recession. The research group that makes that determination made it today and said the recession actually started a year ago. But the question now, when will it end?
3: Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats. According to the Financial Crisis Inquiry Commission report, a January 2011 report showed that three years after the crisis, there were more than 26 million Americans who were out of work, couldn't find full-time work, or had given up looking for work. Additionally, in 2011, another 4.5 million families had slipped into the foreclosure process or had fallen seriously behind on their mortgage. Nevada had the highest rate of foreclosures with more than 7% of housing units or one in every 14 receiving at least one foreclosure notice in 2008. The initial government bailout from the U.S. Treasury Department used to save the banks was for $700 billion. After a 2011 audit, it was released that the number was closer to $7.7 trillion. The top Five executives at Lehman Brothers made over a billion dollars between 2000 and 2007. And when the firm went bankrupt, they got to keep all of their money. Nearly 11 trillion in household wealth vanished, with retirement accounts and life savings swept away. For the first time in history, average Americans have less education and are less prosperous than their parents. It is believed that the impacts of this crisis are likely to be felt for an entire generation.
2: So today with us we have producer Amanda. I graduated in 2008, so I really need closure. Perfect. I hope I get it today. (laughs)
4: you won't. You won't.
2: And fact checker Chris Smith...
1: I I think I, my dad got me a Roth IRA when I uh, was in a Broadway show and I had a bunch of money when I was twelve years old. So that's my uh, perfectly qualified. In finance. That's
3: right. Wow. And someone who is actually qualified to speak to us, <laughs> <laughs> our special guest today Rude. is Gabby Dunn, and she's the host of the podcast Bad with Money and an author uh, of the book Bad with Money: The Imperfect Art of Getting Your Financial Shit Together. Um, Gabby. Hi, Thank you.
4: <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I love to be alarmed. Yes, you do. And I,
3: I feel like you're <gasps> going to be perfectly uh, excitable and mm-hmm. upset about the situation. Yeah, well, looking at what you guys sent me, I
4: mean, it's very relatable to now in this way that like you think you kind of go like, oh, wow, that crazy thing happened in 2008 anyway. And then it's like kind of happening right now again. Because there's no no. protections. We didn't learn anything. Definitely. We're finding ourselves in the same predicament. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like Reagan did a lot of stuff in order to ensure that rich people could continue to get richer. And I think like it's kind of this obvious thing where you I don't understand why people didn't predict that there would be a, a housing bubble burst. Like if you go back, one of the craziest things when I was researching my book is if you go back to like 2007 and look at all the, you know, TV shows about finance or all the sort of financial gurus who yell into the TV and tell you you're stupid. I mean, all of them were like, yeah, buy real estate,
3: like buy, like they get a loan. Yeah, I I think you're so right about that. And I I think it's a bit of a generational thing. Like if Mm -hmm. you think about it, if you were, I don't know, 18 or 20, like when Reagan, Mm -hmm. you know, passed all of these deregulations in the 80s, this is like almost a 30 year period Mm -hmm. of growth. Yeah, I mean, looking too at like
4: generational stuff uh gen x was very i mean baby boomers too but gen x was very much pushed into the like you graduate from college you get a job you get a house you get married those were the things and like the american dream was viewed very naively or very like quaintly as home ownership that was like a huge part of like if you if you got a great job and you owned your house and you uh married someone congrats you've done it and i think like millennials and Gen Z are just not on that track at all because by the time we could own a home, we couldn't own a home. No, so, <laughs> Nobody talks about money, right? So you see all your friends buying houses and you don't talk mm-hmm. to each other about it and you don't. And so you go, oh, well, you know, this person next door bought their house and they're my age. So I have to buy my house and you don't Ask like, Hey, did you take out like a risky loan to do this? Or like, (laughs) nobody talks to you. No, everyone's just like, congratulations on your house. But nobody, you would never like, if your friend bought a house now, me being who I am, I'll be like, how the hell did you do that? But like, at the time it was like uncouth or taboo, which honestly, like the whole point of my podcast is that those things, keeping it taboo and keeping it uncouth and keeping it rude, is what allows this stuff
3: to happen. Thank you, Gabby. You are changing me. I grew up a, uh, <laughs> I grew up not talking about money because right. I, I think my parents were always so stressed about money, we didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of it, that the last thing they want to do is go to the dinner table and talk about money. I mean right. I wasn't planning to do this, but I think we should start off by yeah. putting the American dream up on the board. Sure. Number one, let's start with understanding this deregulation that happened in the eighties. Yeah. Um, after the Great Depression, U.S. banks were tightly regulated and for the most, uh, for the most part, local businesses. President Ronald Reagan ushered in a new era of deregulation of the financial industry during his presidency, which was 81 to 89. And it was during this time that the Garn St. Germain Depository Institutions Act was enacted. So the legislation allowed savings and loans companies to make riskier investments. Banks were now competing for people to invest with them rather than being picky about who they would allow to invest with them. Mm -hmm. In a New York Times op-ed titled Reagan Did It, Paul Krugman writes, the immediate effect of Garn Garn St. Germain was to turn the thrift's from a problem to a catastrophe. The uh, fact is that deregulation in effect gave the industry whose deposits were federally insured a license to gamble with taxpayers' money at best or simply to loot it at worst. Off the bat, <laughs> I think Reagan had a huge part in this deregulation process. Mm-hmm. Now, in all fairness, like, deregulation in itself is not bad, right? Mm-hmm. It's the people that take advantage of it. Well, it's tough because like it ends up being sort of
4: problematic racially and like obviously like banks don't give loans to black people, which is like a whole thing. And um and so I I understand that like it's very it's more subjective then. It becomes more subjective based on the bank and the area you live in. So, yeah, I do get that. But they also are able to take advantage of lower income people more
3: yes well so we're putting reagan up yeah 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 and, and we're gonna talk about other dere- more deregulation that happened so like in the 90s this is according to forbes uh, firstly, there were no cops on the beat. Lazy, Laissez-faire free market economics was the prevailing public policy. Mm-hmm. Federal Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan spoke of irrational exuberance, but took no steps to cool off the market in the late 90s. In 1994, a series of legislation came out that allowed banks to expand their reach. Uh, the Regal-Neal Interstate Banking and Branching Efficiency Act... I think they make these really complicated, so you just forget about them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so this, that's if it doesn't have a catchy name, forget it. <laughs> this allowed for banks to operate across state lines. In addition, the Act allowed banking organizations to acquire banks in other states under a uniform nationwide standard. Mm-hmm. So banks are, are essentially gaining power at this point. And then in 99 came the Graham-Leach-Biley Act. GLBA, okay, <laughs> which overturned a separation between commercial banks Classic. and investment banks. Mm. The separation had been the law since 1933, which was uh, the Glass-Steagall Act. Mm-hmm, now, this mm-hmm. was big. This this was a big... Um, Moment. Um, Yeah. So, the GLBA removed barriers from banking securities and insurance companies to act as a combination of an investment bank, commercial bank, and insurance company. So... Okay. Then, this is all happening under the Clinton administration. Right, yeah. So, if we're putting Reagan up, we have to put Clinton.
4: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, everybody, 80s and 90s, were very prosperous. Like, everyone was sort of making a lot of money and the economy was good. And, you know, it was like, now I feel like people are like, fuck the rich. But in the eighties and nineties, it was like, yeah, rich people. We love it. (laughs) Kind of. So Clinton is at fault.
3: Clinton is at fault. (laughs) And I also want to put up, uh, uh, someone else, Alan Greenspan. Totally. He's the former federal reserve chairman. Mm -hmm. You know, he does, he's through the eighties up until 2006. Mm -hmm. And Alan Greenspan even seemed to partially support the idea of deregulation was at least partially to blame for the crisis. So this is later Mm -hmm. on after the crisis. He admits, oh, yeah, maybe deregulation wasn't. Uh, as good of an idea. During testimony in the Congressional Committee in October 23rd of 2008, he said, quote, I made a mistake in presuming that the self-interest of organizations, specifically banks and others, was such that they were best capable of protecting their own shareholders. And he went on to say that uh, he was of the belief that heavy regulation that could have prevented the crisis would have damaged economic growth in the U S well, okay.
4: Economic growth for who do you know what I'm saying? Like they always are like, well, this might damage the economy and it's going on right now with coronavirus. They're like, well, this is damaging the economy, which like, yes, it is damaging uh, people's ability to, to have wages. But you know what, whose fault that is? It's like, we didn't have any social safety nets in place. We don't the government has the money, but what's getting bailed out like cruise ships, like the, the idea. It's not like when they say the economy, even here and now they're talking about like business people, rich business people, people who own large chains, people who own like legacy businesses. I think when Alan Greenspan is like, yeah, the economy would have taken a hit. Like, I think we have to think about like, who is he talking about? We, yeah. we should blame uh, G-Dubs, G-Dubs yes. Bush. Look, I don't know how, at the end of this, it will be Obama's fault, okay? I don't know
2: how,
3: but we'll figure it out. Well, Obama had an unfortunate, you know, platter handed to him. Yeah. Because yeah. he got, he went into office in uh, January 2009, right? Mm-hmm. He got elected in November 2008. Yep. Talk yeah. about terrible timing. So I, I think mm-hmm. we do need to talk about, first off, these people defaulting on their loans. Mm-hmm. There's an argument that people uh, that needs to, you know, has been said
2: that people need to take personal responsibility. (laughs) I know this tone. This is when she doesn't want to put something on the board, but she thinks she has to just to see all the sides. (sighs) But my argument is, what are they supposed to do then?
4: If you make this stuff prohibitive to have and then you also say, but you have to have this or else you're a piece of shit what are people going to do?
1: Well, that has, that speaks to culture too. Like that what you were talking about before about, you know, the quote American dream, like Mm -hmm. being sold to us at every turn in our lives. You have to get married. You have to own a house. Why do you have to own a house? Like you can, why can't you rent your whole life? Why don't you live in a yurt? Why can't, why, Mm -hmm. what, whatever happened to the shaker community, they all kind of like, hunkered down in one big house. Exactly. They seemed, they what happened to, ha- to the
3: Shakers? They didn't own houses. Yeah, uh, it's their fault.
1: It's 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 sort of like cultural hege- hegemony or something. Yes, like, totally.
4: It's like, well, it's propaganda that benefits um, the wealthy subset. And you know, banks used to be incredibly localized. And if you gave your money to a bank, uh, that bank would have the money. It would have right. your money. That yeah. was the situation. Like the bank was in your town. You knew the banker. You knew (laughs) the main guy. It was John. And all your money was like there. Yeah. And then it stopped being that. And now there's these national chains and everything. So like if you if I went to the bank right now and I was like, hi, I would like all of my money. They would be like, "Uh, we can't just do that. So, I mean, for me, they probably could. But for like an average person.
3: dot com slash alarmist. <laughs> it's also really shitty.
4: I, I looked a lot into um, the selling of debt too. While I was uh, researching and it's like you, you might have a, a, like a bill from somewhere and they sell it off or whatever. And then you don't even know what you owe. Like you have no idea what your why do you, what company is this? Why is my right. debt here? What does this mean? Right. Um, and so that's what they were kind of doing with, your mortgage and your money like they were get they were like now it goes to this investment. And let me tell you something. People have the wrong idea about investments. They think that investments are just like I put my money here and then uh, and then it's it's there and it grows or whatever. Investing is gambling. And people hate when I say this. They do not like when I say this and it's very simplistic. Um, So I apologize. But it's gambling. It's like smart. People think it's like this smart thing that you can game and figure out and blah, blah, blah. But like it's you're just going, I hope this works out. Here's my money. And like generally it will. But like right now, like my I mean, because of COVID, like my stocks are down.
3: What? So what is that then? It's like uh, our, like putting our faith in these lenders or. Yeah. Yeah. Being the, like, the, well, the person and
4: the bank is like, oh, well, it's OK, because if we merge our commercial stuff with investments, like we'll always make money. No, you won't. Yeah. And that's where people's um retirements were all drained.
3: Yes, that's why well, there's
4: so many boomers that like lost their entire retirements. I mean, well, that's that's
1: the s- where the word trust comes from, right? I mean, right? It's a trust.
3: Oh, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. No, no, but that's what it is. Yeah, it's, no, I had
3: mm-hmm. never thought of it.
1: <laughs> you, you, tr- you, 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 you
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is a good segue into predatory lending. Mm -hmm. They started practicing this thing called predatory lending, Mm -hmm. which uh, much of the lending happening in the 2000s was, quote, subprime loans with Predatory features, which means that not only weren't lenders doing due diligence on people trying to take out loans, they were actively trying to deceive borrow- borrowers in order to convince them to take the loan out. Mm-hmm. So, according to American Progress, the majority of this mortgage lending was existing homeowners refinancing, with many believing that they were taking advantage of lower interest rates to extract home equity instead. They often were exposed to complex and risky products that quickly became unaffordable when economic conditions Mm change. Now, from the FCIC report, many mortgage lenders set the bar so low that lenders simply took eager borrowers qualifications on faith often with a willful disregard of the borrower's ability to pay. Nearly one quarter of all mortgages made in the first half uh, were interest-only loans. During the same year, 68% of, quote, option ARM, A-R-M, loans originated by Countrywide and Washington Mutual, had low or no documentation requirements. Adjustable
1: rate mortgage loans, that's what that is. Yeah,
3: I think we should put Countrywide Financial up on the board because this was one of the biggest lenders at the time. Mm -hmm. Between 1982 and 2003, as home prices boomed and Countrywide Stocks' uh, price zoomed 23,000%, Whoa. Mozilla, which was the um the owner of Countrywide, gained a reputation in the industry as a genius and a rainmaker. And yet, <laughs> Countrywide ran into trouble. Their practice of easy lending led to a race to the bottom. The company repeatedly relaxed its borrowing standards, lending to people with weaker credit scores who sometimes didn't even have jobs. Can I put something else on the board? Yes. <clears throat>
4: Men. Show. Whoa, whoa, I think this whoa. is men's fault. And let me still tell you
3: why. Because are any of these people, are any of these top people women? For the most part, they were not. There well, was one. No, no. There was one. Uh, I, uh, there's a, an, someone in the Federal Reserve. Uh, and she, she was a, a big, big dog. Um, okay. Okay. But that she came on later, you know, I would say it's a very low percentage are women. Like it is, it is this, this is so um,
4: binary and gendered and I apologize, but it is like money stuff is like a a dick measuring contest. In research, like women are more likely to be a little bit like, well, let's look into this, like, let's see, blah, blah, blah. And I think like, I think like there's this. Concept at these banks and at these like big financial companies of like, I brought in the biggest thing. So I'm gonna blame, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blame men. Men, do you want to <laughs> call it
3: just men? Do you want <gasps> to say
4: toxic masculinity or yeah, okay, fine, toxic manly
2: greed, uh, fine, <laughs> toxic masculinity, fine. <laughs> We've tried to get men in the jail, but the thing we say if we send men to the jail, then we'll have no more disasters. Almost all of them men are responsible <laughs> yeah, for ninety nine point nine percent of them. So, I mean, if we ever wanted a break from the podcast, we could just <laughs> put men in jail, and then I'll that's go on to true. That's true, and and yes, and again, I'm being like very generalized
4: about testosterone. I'm being very generalized about dicks. Like, I understand. I am I am queer, and I get it. Before people write in with hate mail but i just can't get off this idea that like it's all these overconfident how about we put like overconfidence or something like overconfident dudes just being like yeah this will work out
1: confidence is a huge thing i think i mean like but that confidence is what what these dudes are using to sell right arrogance arrogance
4: insatiability yeah i mean i also think there's something that that is really important in heterosexual relationships there seems to be this thing where the the women let their husbands just handle the finances so like a lot of these couples that lost their retirement and this is like anecdotal and also statistically the women just let the men handle their retirement let the men handle their money and they had no they didn't look into it they didn't ask about it they had no in it. So when everything went down, they were like, well, what were you doing this whole time? You so relationship roles, relationship <laughs> roles. Yeah.
3: Uh, well, I guess what gender roles. Yeah. Like- uh, what, what is it when they're like fit and decided? It's like women. Rigid, these- rigid strict, gender roles.
1: Strict gender roles. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I want to talk about these credit rating agencies, mm-hmm. CRAs. CRAs were a key part in the financial crisis. The short story here is that the CRAs were in cahoots with the investment banks. They took the bundles of mortgages and rated them A uh, AAA, despite mm-hmm. the fact that they did not deserve the safe rating, since many of them were made of thousands of subprime mortgages.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So the three major CRAs at the time were Standard and Poor's, uh, Moody's Investors, Service, and Fitch Ratings. And these companies were making a huge profit from giving AAA ratings. More A ratings meant more profit, which gave them no incentive to stop or do a deeper investigation into the assets they were rating. Mm-hmm. The most nefarious effect of the involvement of the CRAs is that by rating something a A, it was sending a message to investors, people like us, mm-hmm. uh, that the securities were super safe, Pension, pension funds and international governments were often required to invest in securities of the highest rating. Thus, they were hit the hardest when the crisis came to a head. Mm-hmm. That is so sad. Yes. Incredibly sad.
1: Yeah. I, it's way probably way too complicated to get into. I'm just curious, like how they are regulated or like what what gives them the authority to put a stamp of approval
3: almost <laughs> nothing These ratings are opinions <laughs> yeah when they got uh because the, the, they did oh, right all they those interviews in. yeah they got interviewed and they were just like well it was just my opinion like, yes that was your fault for for taking my opinion to heart which <laughs> is why credit scores are racist and
4: bad because they take into account like it's 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 subjective they like will take into account like your name and like is your name like a, a white name like there's all these kind of things or like what area of town you live in which is like you know then you go back to redlining which uh only allowed white people in one area and black people in another area like it, it credit scores are just like very racist and also you can get three different credit scores from three of the different top credit rating agencies. And so you have to like kind of look at all three and it, you have to pay to look at them. And if you look at them more than whatever, when a certain amount, which if you're out of work and you need your credit score, if you're moving a lot and you need your credit score,
3: which like lower income people do, um it dings your credit score. It, that That is very unfair. I'd never thought of that. I also want to throw in uh addiction question mark. Oh, <laughs> so in this documentary, uh, they interview a therapist for, uh, whose clients include these high-level Wall Street executives. Oh, no. And he describes their similar <laughs> mm-hmm. characteristics as being impulsive risk-takers. Oh, no. And a lot of people feel that they... Uh, a lot of people like them feel like they need to participate in behavior like drugs, strip clubs prostitution in yep. order to be recognized mm-hmm. um, he describes them as having a, a blanket of di- a disregard for how their actions impact society
2: well they um, should go free solo or something but keep your dirty <laughs> mitts off my menu right it's like put your own life at risk oh my and your God. own well-being at risk, but- yeah, oh, my true. God.
1: Yeah, but don't, you know that's what they're kind of selling you, too, is like, I'm crazy. like I'm a risk taker, but I, I might lose all your money, but I also might make you <laughs> 10 times the money. Like, oh, don't Chris,
2: you, you're convincing. On. I give this guy my money. <laughs> give me that money. cash.
1: Give me that cash.
3: Are there any others you want to throw up on the list, or should we start crossing things off?
1: Well, we didn't put big banks up there. Oh, like-
3: yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought
4: we did. Oh, I thought we did.
1: Well, we, we, ah! we also don't have the smaller lenders. Well, What you have is the larger financial institutions giving predatory, like lenders giving predatory loans, but we don't have any like small lenders who are doing the actual. The
3: countrywide?
1: Like, oh, we have the countrywide. Okay. Yeah.
3: Oh, okay. I'm, yeah, sure, that represents. I'm not sure if yeah. that's a distinction. Yeah. Just so
1: anybody lending. Those
3: were the big, big At high lenders. interest rates. Yeah. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: And then we have the, like, I think a separate one the is invest- the banks. The
3: big banks. Mm-hmm. The big, the big banks who are,
1: who are buying. Not those investors.
3: Loans. I'm sorry. The big the, banks. Yeah. 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 Okay okay
1: you want me to go through it here and see if we miss anybody okay 2008 financial crisis the american dream reagan clinton george bush mm-hmm. alan greenspan countrywide financial and lenders giving predatory loans toxic masculinity Great. strict gender roles um, cra's which are the credit rating mm-hmm. people uh addiction and the big banks guess like just to sort of clarify the what are Yeah big, and I, are big
3: and banks? I would even specify more I would say the the people in charge mm-hmm. of these big banks because they were the ones who were pushing these bonuses mm-hmm. and kind of creating that culture of don't worry about it don't ask questions make more money you'll get these
2: bonuses.
3: Right right right. I Think we can cross off gambling addiction mm-hmm. because it's just not satisfying enough okay. we need to go for the jugular now american dream that's big
4: maybe we steer away from anything that's like victim blaming so like maybe we have to get rid of gender roles and toxic masculinity and american dream
3: mm. i definitely think that we can get rid uh, uh i mean it's hard because i I, I hate strict gender roles.
4: Really hate <laughs> yeah, but are they to blame for this? Like, they are, but are they the top one to blame?
3: No, right. I think if uh, more than anything, it was more greedy than that. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: and I also yeah, and- think I I think the American dream is is flawed. I mean, there are bad parts about it. But yeah,
3: it's American, Chris. It can't be flawed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I don't think it's it's wholly responsible for the 2008 fight yeah crisis just wanting to sort of have it have the american dream i don't know (laughs) you like it you want to keep it up
3: i don't know it's like why it's that idea of like why do we want why did they want those houses i mean i get it i it's not that i don't understand it just because i understand it doesn't mean it's not to blame though I understand that desire. I mean, I guess it's something that we were sold. Like, it's not as victim-blaming because
4: it is something that we were, like, convinced of through almost all media for years and years.
3: We got sold on it just like we got sold on that mortgage. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Reagan, Clinton, uh, G-Dubs Bush. Um, So we can probably clump all of those together. Because they were all equally, I think, Uh you know, deregulating. Would love to blame Reagan the most, but yeah. He had the idea. I
4: can't believe Reagan's not already in jail for you guys. Uh, no. Is he?
2: no, no, he's not in jail. Have y'all done the AIDS crisis? Get Reagan oh, in there. Oh, oh, shit. I almost think we could take all the presidents off except for Reagan because he could possibly be a con- um, contender for the big slap, whereas mm. the other ones inherited. The- he set those policies in place yeah. and the other ones kind of just continued them, right?
4: Okay. Yeah, maybe let's okay. just leave Reagan. Okay. I, I mean I, I Reagan understand. I
1: mean just to counter that just yeah Reagan did sort of create the original sin I guess which is that law that sort of like Allowed for banks to not just be like John the banker giving you the mm-hmm. loan and expecting the money back, it like it allowed for banks to expand what they do. Mm-hmm. But going from there to like all these CDO derivative yeah. bullshit, like that's like a snowball. Like that takes like a long. Pro- that's why I thought Greenspan I, should be right in the sights because he was he he was, was there in, for a lot of it. He was there for three of them. I mm, think right. He that's was there true. For, Yeah. Was he Bush Clinton Bush or something? He
2: was there for Reagan, Reagan, Clinton, Bush. Bush. And you've convinced me a little bit I'd now be okay with taking Reagan off because he might not be the most culpable. He gave the baby the
3: candy.
1: He
4: gave the
1: baby the candy, but he didn't know that he would grow up to be Willy Wonka.
2: (laughs) Whoa! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! What does that mean somehow makes sense oh my god it makes so much sense uh, okay oh, fine wow.
3: reagan's out we'll get you reagan um but greenspan's in countrywide they represent those lenders those mortgage lenders um toxic masculinity still up on the board so are the cra's and the I, big bosses with uh, at the big bank
1: i think we should take off the the credit rating people the CRA's
3: okay. Why? And
1: here's here's why. There's no need for them to have been there in the first place. I think. I think it was like the banks kind of just like made them up to say, "Oh yeah, this. These are the people okay. we're sort of getting the stamp of approval I see. by." Okay. And
4: it's
1: like it's like okay, who determines that? And it's just like oh, we do. And it's like oh,
3: they were like the banks' bitches, essentially.
1: Exactly. And also like <laughs> it, it. They have no obviously they were put in front of Congress and all of them were just like, it's just our opinion. So there's zero liability there and they're they're not on the hook for anything. So it's just like, I don't know. I feel like they were just sort of like a middleman that was just made up for...
3: And I just want to say it's a gross middleman. Yeah. It's disgusting what they did.
1: It's kind of like, you know, in Goodfellas when he, um, he gets that babysitter to transport the cocaine between Pittsburgh. Ah,
3: yes, yes, yes,
1: yes. <laughs> that's She's like the babysitter. It's just like the middle person who's like, yeah. just kind of going along with it and yeah. like kind of like turning the other cheek and talking about other things yeah. and like,
4: no, you're right. Yeah. I'm convinced. Okay. Strike it. Wow, we've been convinced by both Willy Wonka and Goodfellas in the last five minutes.
2: (laughs) You give us a visual. Yeah. You got us.
3: Okay, so still up on the board, we've got Greenspan, Countrywide, Toxic Masculinity, and the big bosses at the big banks. And Gabby, we we also need to figure out who the big slap goes to. So someone's going to the jail and someone is getting a big slap okay for me toxic masculinity uh, absorbs the big bosses at the big yeah i agree i agree right yes so does that mean we take the big bosses off or no i think we take toxic masculinity off okay okay yeah um i think that what countrywide did was Slimy because they were essentially the ones that really took advantage of the people. Yeah, they're doing the more interaction, face to face. Yeah, face to face. Mm -hmm.
1: They get a. I feel like they should get a slap, and I'm going to.
3: I think Greenspan is to blame. I
1: I'm, I'm feel like he was there
3: for so wow. long, and and to me that that really encompasses the the amount of deregul- yeah. deregulation. that he kept that sort of pushing this idea. Uh, dare I say this? But these big banks w- were just going.
2: You know, it's like have you ever seen a toddler like trying to push its limits? I think one time, Rebecca, you said something like they're a slippery snake and they're doing what slippery snakes do.
3: Yeah. Can you blame them for being slippery snakes? (laughs) If you know that's what they are. Gosh. Yeah. You should have been on it. It's not like a big revelation that like, oh, these big banks were, you know, you know, doing bad things or making easy
4: money. Greenspan should have been on it. Greenspan should have been on it. That's his job
1: there's also like honorable mention. I just want to mention this fact, like, and, and the inside job documentary did a pretty good job of explaining this, but also like the revolving door of government and financial institute and private financial institutions of like these guys who were like just being like one minute, they're the head of this financial and in- financial institution. And then they're making up the laws that may or may not regulate those mm-hmm, financial institutions. Mm-hmm. Like that insidious kind of That's like gross. Uh, yeah. Uh, dynamic Opportunistic. was really mm-hmm. ugly and i don't know if that i can't really frame that in a way to blame but like maybe that's big bosses maybe the maybe the to blame is the big bosses at the big banks who then were also but in greenspan he's
3: the dad
4: he was overseeing he was everything. overseeing it yeah that is convincing do we give the
3: slippery snake snakes the big slap because they um because they deserve it, right? Yeah, maybe Greenspan reasons. goes to jail and the banks get a slap. I think that feels satisfying for me. All right. We're calling it. Big bosses at big banks, you're getting the big slap. Greenspan, you're going to the alarmist jail. <laughs> you know
4: what? We, someone's got to take a hard line stance, and I think we've done it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, a lot of people see Greenspan as this genius And this, you know, person who You know who's Me- also a genius? Fucking Lex Luthor You know who's also a genius? <laughs>
4: like, Dr. Evil or whatever bad, bad people are geniuses Elon Musk's, I guess, a genius, but he's a fucking moron So, I don't know
1: It's true
3: After the 2008 financial crisis To this date No one has been criminally charged with causing the financial crisis. Unfortunately, today, due to the coronavirus global pandemic, 33.5 million people so far have signed up for unemployment. Go for who you think is to blame by going to the alarmistpodcast.com. Follow us at the Alarmist thee on Twitter at the Alarmist Podcast on Instagram or email us at the Alarmist Podcast at gmail.com Tune in next week. We'll be talking about the failed Antarctica expedition of Robert Falcon Scott.
2: Irios.